Hello, this is Gary O'Donoghue, and this is a review and demonstration of the Zoom F3 two-channel 32-bit floating-point field recorder from a blindness perspective. Oh yes, cue the cheesy music. Okay, so the Zoom F3 field recorder, uh, 32-bit floating point field recorder, just been released uh, this year by Zoom. Uh, it's a very small form factor, and it's, as I say, 32-bit floating point. I'm not going to demonstrate the advantages of 32-bit floating point during this review. I did that uh, on an episode of Jonathan's Mosin at Large podcast, episode 35. So if you want to hear how you can bring up very quiet recordings uh, without raising the sound floor and uh, bring down over-modded over clipped recordings and restore them, go back to episode 35 and you'll hear me demonstrate the advantage of 32-bit floating point. I will just say this, that... I believe that 32-bit floating point is a, a real advantage uh, for us blind people uh, in not having to set accurate or particularly accurate gain levels. And indeed, on this recorder, there is no gain control. There is no record volume, believe it or not. You cannot set the gain. Uh, there is a complication to that, which I'll mention later on, but you cannot set the input gain. Uh, so having said that, I'm going to divide this into uh, three parts, I think. I'm going to give you a physical description of the recorder. I'm then going to spend a little bit of time just talking about the menu structure, uh, which I have mapped, uh, not because it's particularly accessible uh, using the unit itself, um, but it will be good, I think, for people to know where stuff is or have an idea of where stuff is if they need to use sighted help to, to do things. And there are a couple of things that, that we can do in the menu structure on the machine itself, such as put it into the mode where it's recognized as a drive when you plug it into your PC or as an audio interface. I'll show you how to get to those points in the menu with very few button presses. And then at the uh, third part of the, the review, I'm going to look at the app that comes along with the field recorder. This does require uh, an extra Bluetooth adapter that is not does not come with the unit. It's an extra $39, the BTA1 Bluetooth adapter from Zoom. It's the same adapter that plugs into the F6, if you have that already. Um, and that will allow you to drive some of the menus only some of the menus from an iOS or an Android app. There is an Android app uh, this time around. The F3, I bought it for $349 on Amazon. That's the most recent price I've seen. So without any more messing around, let's get on to part one and a physical description of the unit. Okay, so just before I start the physical description, I'm going to give you a brief description of my setup for recording this demo. I know some people are interested in those things. So I am recording this into Reaper on a laptop PC, an HP laptop. I've got the Vocaster 2 uh, from Focusrite audio interface plugged into that via USB-C, obviously. I have got a Electrovoice RE27 dynamic broadcast microphone plugged into channel 1. That's what I'm speaking to you on now. Um, I have got a cable coming out of the headphone jack of the F3, and that's going to a, a, um, a male XLR 
jack on the other end, which is going into channel two of the Focusrite. Um, not because I'm going to play you anything, but I want you to be able to hear some bleeps and things that are going to be quite useful that come out of the unit. And then I've got a, uh, a cable from my iPhone with the uh, adapter, the little dongle adapter, plugged into the audio auxiliary input on the Focusrite so that when I come to show you the app, I can um, you can hear that through uh, on the recording as well. So that's the setup as at the moment. Oh, and I've got a, another microphone plugged into the. Um, this is I'm going to go over to this one. You can probably can't, maybe not be able to hear it. It's the um, the Shure KSM8 that's plugged into the F3, so I can demonstrate uh, that as well at some point. Okay, so let's uh, get on to the physical description of the unit. Um, the first thing to say is that it is small. Uh, it sits in your hand quite comfortably. It's very sort of boxy in shape. Um, it is uh, almost square, I would say, um, although this is, it is wider and, and longer than it is tall off the desk. Uh, what it also has on the bottom side is two rails, I would call them, uh, on opposite sides of the unit. And if you imagine... Um, they are they are the the length of the unit itself, and they are made of metal, and they are quite close to the unit. And you could thread, and this is partly what they're intended for. You could thread a belt through them and hang this off your belt, um, and mount it in other ways as well. But that is clearly one of the intentions of these metal rails. The dimensions are the units three inches by three inches by one point nine inches. That's about seven and a half centimeters by about 4.8 centimetres, again by about 7.5 centimetres. Uh, its weight is 8.5 ounces, so just over half a pound, which is about 242 grams. Now, I'm going to talk about the unit um, from the perspective of laying it on the desk with the rails to the left and the right, uh, pointing vertically away from me and towards me. Um, and what you feel on the top of the unit is a small... LED screen or LCD screen, whichever it is. <clears throat> and so that will, that's what I'm going to call the top of the unit. So there's then going to be a left-hand side, a right-hand side, a front side, which is facing towards me, and a back side, which is facing away from me. So I'm going to start on the top of the unit. And apart from the LED screen, all that's on the top of the unit are four very small buttons underneath the screen. Uh, they are very close together. Uh, they are, as I say, very small, and if you have dexterity issues, this may be an issue for you. I have to take a lot of care when I'm trying to press one of the middle ones, or as opposed to one of the end ones, which are pretty straightforward. But these buttons do various things uh, in in terms of navigating the menus if you're if you're doing that on the unit rather than through the app, and they also do various things in terms of changing the settings for each input channel, which is. Very tricky accessibly uh, on the unit, I'm afraid, in an accessible way, because uh, there seems to be a timing issue. You have to do certain things in a certain length of time for it to happen. Um, but I'll get into that a bit more later on. On the front of the unit, so the bit facing towards me as it's on the desk, uh, going from the left, there is a 3.5 millimeter line in uh, line out jack. Um, that is um, obviously allows you to to play the output into a camera or into a mixer or something like that. It has a, a limiter on that line-out jack, which can be set in the menus, uh, although not through the app, sadly. 
Then there is a 3.5 millimeter headphone out jack, which is what I've got a cable plugged in to at the moment going to the vocaster. And then to the right of that is a rocker switch, which is the headphone volume. And it's split in two. You can feel two sides of this rocker. And the bit of the rocker towards the, the headphone jack itself is the volume down. And the bit away from it is the volume up. Now, I'm going round the corner of the machine, and the, the corners sort of stick out slightly. I don't know if, if you know what I mean by a flying buttress on a building where the corners are sort of elongated outwards slightly. This has that sort of design. It's like they have little towers at each corner. So I'm going round um, the unit now onto the right-hand side, uh, and the first thing you come to towards the top of the unit um, on the right-hand side is the Bluetooth adapter uh, socket now this comes with a, a rubber stopper in it um, which is not attached to the unit you get your fingernail under it and pull it out and it comes out I've already lost it so goodness knows so that's not very good design but that's uh, that's where you put the bluetooth adapter next going further to the right of that so uh, towards the, the back of the machine as I've got it on the desk in front of me is a indented square button which is the power button about two to three seconds held in to switch on and off. When you're switching it on, you can hear a little sort of click in your headphones that tells you it's coming on if you've got headphones plugged in. And of course, if your channels are armed and you have a microphone plugged in, then you will hear the mic or mics come live in your cans as another indication that you've turned it on properly. I'm now going to the back side of the unit, and this is where the two XLR uh, sockets are uh, the one um, again from from my perspective with the unit on the desk and these XLR facing them away from me the one on the left uh, is channel one and the one on the right is channel two uh, so as you as you would expect and they're locking XLRs with the buttons uh, that you know about um, and then we're going to come around to the left hand side of the unit and on the left hand side the first thing you come to is a USB-C uh, port and that's for obviously data transfer to a PC and you can also power the unit through that USB-C port uh, you do not get a power supply with the uh, F3 in the box uh, but I imagine quite a lot of standard USB-C power supplies would work you don't want to give it too much current I don't think um, and also power banks can power it. I've done that. I've powered it from a power bank. That works. Next on that left-hand side, coming towards myself, coming back towards the front of the machine, uh, is a, a little door with a sort of a line, uh, a bold sort of uh, tactile line on the top of it, which is the SD micro SD slot. Um, it's one of those that pulls downwards, uh, I'm not going to take it out because the unit is on. And you press the card. When the card's in there, you press the card in slightly and it springs. It's on a spring-loaded thing to pull it out. And again, uh, it go only goes in one way. Um, these micro SD cards are very, very tiny. So that may be an issue for some people, quite fiddly. But, um, but they do take, they say, up to one terabit, believe it or not. I'm not sure why you would put one in that large because i think i've got a 128 gig one in here and it's giving me something like potentially 90 hours recording 
depending on whether you're doing mono, stereo, etc. So whether you want to pay all that money for a terabit, who knows? Um, so that's that. Now, on the on the this is quite difficult to describe. On the uh, above where that USB C and micro SD C micro uh, uh, SD card slot is, on a sort of edge above it are three other buttons. Now, these are sort of at 45 degrees to that side and 45 degrees to the top. So they're on a sort of sloping edge um, between the top of the unit and the left-hand side of the unit. And again, they're reasonably small buttons, although one of them is larger. And going from furthermost away from me, so from towards the back of the machine, the first one is a play button. The second one down is a stop button. And the third longer button is a menu button. Uh, so play, stop and menu on that edge. Again, quite small. And then on the underside of the unit is a battery door, as you'd expect, and a mounting thread if you wanted to put it on a um, a boom pole or a, a camera or, or anything like that. Standard thread mount. I, it looks to me like a quarter inch, could be three-eighths I'm not sure um, but it's one of those standard screw threads uh, that is essentially the description of it in terms of the power it takes two AA batteries um, I've seen some claims from Zoom that it can record up to eight hours I think there's quite a lot of skepticism around that it could actually do that much to be honest um, uh, it can also take obviously uh, NIMH rechargeable batteries which is what I've got in it at the moment or lithium you can tell it uh, in the menus which kind of batteries you're using if you have a, a usb power supply plugged in which i do at the moment um, that takes precedent over the AA batteries uh, and they will they will kick in if that usb c um, power supply is taken away one downside of the and this is preempting my discussion of the app one downside of this unit is that while it shows you on in the app itself uh, what kind of batteries you're using or what kind of batteries it's set to, um, nickel metal hydride or alkaline, it doesn't tell you how much you've lost or how much is left on the batteries, unlike the F6, which doesn't actually give you a percentage but gives you a sort of voltage, which gives you does give you an idea of how much is left. So that's a, a bit of a, a downside. Having said that, there is an audible warning for low battery on this machine um, and that is four bleeps in your headphones so when batteries are low it will bleep four times in your headphones I don't know if that keeps repeating I imagine it does I've heard it once uh, but I haven't tested it further than that but four bleeps is a battery low signal and while we're on this, the topic of beeps um, this does beep when you put it into record, which I'm going to demonstrate to you now. If you listen carefully, I'm going to s uh, slide the one control I've forgotten to describe to you, which is the record control, of course, which is uh, rather silly. So on the opposite, opposite side of the screen to where we talked about those three buttons that are on the, the, the sort of 45-degree angle side, there is one more button which is the record button. It's a one of those classic slider switches that you get on many digital recorders. So it has a lock position towards me. If I pull it towards me, that's a lock position. The middle position is, is neutral. And if I slide it away, if 
if I unmute that channel, it would help, I think. Let me unmute that channel. Yes, I'm unmuting that channel. You heard that double beep. That was me stopping recording. Now I'm going to press, I'm going to slide the switch up again. That beep tells me it started recording. Slide it up again. Stopped recording. Sorry, this other mic has now come live. I've unmuted that channel. So one beep for starting recording. Two beeps for stopping recording. And then you will get those four beeps in your headphones. I'm just going to mute this channel again because we're recording on two mics here, which is a bit. Um, uh, four beeps for the battery. You will also get a three beep sound, which is very, very useful. And that occurs if you don't have a live channel. If, it, if both your channels are switched off and you're in mono or stereo, but the channels are switched off and not unarmed in the, to use the technical phrase. You'll get a three beep saying, well, you know, you're not recording anything. You'll also get a three beep if your SD card is absent. And you'll get an, an S, a three beep if the SD card is, has a problem with it. So there's actually some very useful uh, audio cues here. One for recording, two for stopping recording, three for there's a problem, and four for low battery. And the volume of those beeps can be changed in the output menu uh, Head, it's, it's called headphone alert volume um, and you can change that from very very loud in your headphones to very quiet um, not accessibly particularly um, because that's not available in the app so that is basically the the description uh, of the unit it is very tiny um, it is very very portable um, it's made of metal aluminium and some plastic it feels very robust uh, to me I haven't dropped it um, and it really is something that could go in your bag without you being able to tell you've got it with you. Um, obviously, what it doesn't have is a 3.5 millimeter microphone input, so you can't uh, plug in your your favourite um, little mic. It does require proper XLR mics, and these these uh, XLRs are not they're not the combination uh, jacks where you get somewhere you can have XLR or a, a 6.3 jack going into the middle of it. These are just microphone XLRs. So there is that is the only interface. You cannot plug in, for example, those Zoom clip-on mics to this recorder. It doesn't take those, unlike uh, the F2 recorders or the, uh, the F1, sorry, recorders. Um, so it can't do that. So this is specifically designed really for, for field news gathering, um, interviewing, um uh, it's 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 a semi-professional piece of kit in that sense and so it has none of those other interfaces i'm afraid um i think that does it for the physical description uh, of the unit what i'm going to do in a in a moment then is take you and give you a little tour of the menu structure just so you get an idea of what's available in that uh, and after that we'll get on to the app Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the menu structure on the F3. Um, not because much of it is accessible. Some of it is accessible through the app, but not all of it. And that's a pattern we've seen on other digital recorders, including the F6. But I want you to know where things are if you have to get help. And when you start up the machine, you do have to get some help to set the language, the date and time, that kind of thing, particularly because date and time uh, is one of the ways of, of naming files, it, that it automatically names files that way, so you probably want that set properly. Now, um, 
physically, if you were doing this on the unit itself, uh, once the machine was on, you'd press the long button I referred to uh, on the left-hand side, on that kind of 45-degree edge, the long button, the menu button. You would then use the middle two of the four buttons under the LCD screen to go up and down the menu. So and when I mean down, I mean you know going uh, vertically down. So the right hand of the middle two takes you down. The left hand of the middle two takes you up in the menus. The, the rightmost of the four is the enter key to select an option or go into a menu. And the leftmost of the four is the back button to step up a, a level. And in most places, just pressing the menu will take you back to the home screen. Um, so as I say, if you're for some functions where, for example, putting it into um, the um, audio interface mode or some, some such, where we can have such a limited number of steps that it is possible to use those menus um, that is the way you would do it so I'm just going to give you an overview of the menu so if effectively there are six uh, top level menus which I'm going to describe the first one is the finder which is what uh, zoom calls the sort of directory of files you go in there uh, and this is actually on the app uh, and look at your files and and select them play them that way delete them even um, the second level menu is recording and again that is one of the menus that is available on the on the app the third level is output uh, that isn't available on the app uh, and inside that menu is a couple of other menus the first one is, is H, says hp alert volume that's what it says on the screen and that's what i mentioned before about how loud are those uh, indicator tones in your headphones for recording, stopping recording, uh, problem with your card, or um, battery low? How low? How loud do you want that to be? You go in there and you can change those. Um, and that, that again, it's using the buttons on, on the middle. But I wouldn't try and do that myself because I, I think I'd get confused. Um, the if you want to know the the mid buttons. Uh, the left one takes it quieter once you go into that menu, and the uh, the rightmost one makes it louder. And then enter would select that that particular level. Then uh, the second part of this output menu is called line out level. Again, that's for changing you know how loud the uh, output is from the line out jack. Um, the third level is line-out limiter, and that's switching the limiter on and off for the line-out jack. Uh, the fourth is line-out delay, uh, and that may be if you're trying to jam the signal to a, a camera or something like that. It's probably not something that we do particularly in audio, but that can be useful when you're using it in conjunction with a camera. The fourth top-level menu is US audio, uh, USB audio interface. And inside that men menu, the first option is PC Mac. Again, you just hit enter on that. And the second option is tablet. So if you want to use it as a, an audio interface, you'd go down to um, go to the fifth, uh, sorry, the fourth level um, menu. So you'd press the long key. You'd go down to one, three presses downwards would get you to USB audio interface. Then you'd hit the rightmost of those four buttons to go into that. And the option you'd land on is PC Mac. 
um, if you wanted to connect it to a PC or Mac, if you wanted to connect it to a tablet um, or an iPhone. I haven't tried it with the iPhone yet. I imagine it would work. Um, then you do down, go down once, which would be the rightmost of the two middle buttons, the right of the two middle, and then enter. Um, and then the fifth top-level option is USB file transfer. Um, so this is quite handy, I think, because um, if you imagine you can you can press the, the menu button when you've got your machine on, you can go up twice, so the left-hand one of the two middle buttons on the, of the four, go up once, that will be system, which is the, the last entry on the, the top-level menu, up again, and you'll get to uh, USB file transfer, and then you just hit enter on that, and it's in that mode ready to come up as a drive on your computer. So I think that's something we'd all use quite a lot. I mean, I do also take this, the micro SD card out and put it into an adapter and put that into the side of the PC. That's another way around. But this is a, a quick way of, of getting at your material. So into the menu, up twice with the left uh, hand one of the two middle buttons, hit enter, which is the rightmost of the four, and you'd be in USB file transfer mode. And as I said, the sixth um, level is system. Uh, this isn't on the app, annoyingly. There must be some technical restriction with this because, you know, uh, none of the, the apps seem to allow you to do this, the, the stuff with the system. Um, and the first option in there is language. The second one is date and time. The third one is LCD. That'll be about brightness, I imagine. The fourth one is power. That's where you can select uh, what kind of battery you're using, uh, which helps, if you could see it, reflect uh, a more accurate uh, remaining battery level on the screen. And also auto power off options uh, in there. Yes, so, so, so the first option is, is battery type, then it's auto power off. Then the next option is SD card. This is still within the system menu. And within SD card, the SD card format, there's quick test. You can test whether the, the card is compatible. There's full test, which takes longer. Um, um, and then there's a, in the system, there's a Bluetooth function. Um, and that allows you to um, use the Bluetooth dongle, not just for running the app, but it can also be used for time code. Uh, uh, jamming time code with another piece of kit um, which again is for something for people who are using it with cameras uh, within the system menu is also a factory reset and a version number so you know what's what's uh, firmware you're on so that's really an overview uh, of the menus um, as I say I will demonstrate this uh, shortly the app only reflects some of those menus but some important ones um, and it does allow us to switch uh, on and off the, the different inputs and select our recording format and uh, turn on and off phantom power and all that sort of thing. But I'll show you that in the next time. And just bear in mind, what we've not talked about at any stage here is a record level, button, knob, slider, anything. There is nothing to change the input gain of the microphones you plug into this device. Uh, there is a caveat to that, which I will go into at the end because it's complicated, uh, but it is, it's quite extraordinary having a, a recorder in your hand and not having 
a level knob to, to fiddle with and twiddle with. Okay, that's it uh, for this section. On to the app next. Okay, so now we're going to look at the F3 Control app, uh, which is available in the iOS App Store. It's all also available on Android, though I don't have Android, so I haven't tried that, I'm afraid. Anyone with some observations on that would be, I'd be really interested to hear from them. As I said at the outset, if you're going to use the F3 Control app, you do need the extra BTA1 Bluetooth adapter, which is an additional $39. It's the same adapter as fits in the F6. And of course, you need to download the F3 Control app from the App Store. Now, there's some good news here, which is that it's very straightforward to connect the phone to the to the audio recorder, to the F3. Uh, more straightforward, actually, than it was on the F6. Um, because if you plug in the Bluetooth adapter and switch on the machine, it pops straight up to a Bluetooth menu. And with two button presses there, you can start the process of connecting to to your app very easily. So I think that's some progress, something they perhaps could learn for the firmware on the F6. So I've got the little Bluetooth adapter in my hand. Uh, as I said, there's a slot on the right-hand side of the machine, um, which is normally with a sort of rubber plug in it, which you get out with your fingernail. I've lost the rubber plug. So I'm going to, the machine is switched off, by the way. I'm going to push the uh, adapter into it. It slots into place in, in one, only in one orientation. Um, and I'm going to press the on switch, which is the button next to the Bluetooth adapter, the recessed square button. And I'm going to hold it for about three seconds. Now, pretty much straight away, according to the, the limited sighted help I've had with this, um, you come up to a menu. Uh, and what you want to do is you want to go use the four buttons under the LCD. And you want to use the one below, sorry, the one to the right of the middle two, the right hand one of the middle two, to go down once. And then you want to press the enter button, which is the rightmost of the of the uh, four buttons. I'm going to press that. My phone's just locked itself, so I'm going to unlock my phone. Look, F3 control. Double tap to open. And I'm going to open the F3 control app. F3 control. Bluetooth devices. F3 underscore FTC 5 4 f 785 It's already popped up. It's found it in the list. Quite often it says searching for a while, empty list, but that's got it. So I'm going to double tap on that there, which is basically a serial number. Alert, connecting. And you can hear it say alert, connecting. This can take a little time. Connecting, connecting. I'm swiping connecting. back and connecting. forth. Connecting. Still connecting. Connecting. Um, and the microphone has come live. You can probably hear um, that. That not what I'm tapping on there is the KSM8, which is plugged into the F3. I'm just going to mute that for a moment, so we can just listen to the iPhone. Connecting. 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 Still says connecting. X five hundred twelve. Gear. Button, there we are. Possibly. So, settings. So we're into the app. Now, what I'm going to do to start with is I'm just going to take you to the top of the screen and swipe through every element on the front page of this app, just so you can hear what's there to begin with before we talk, ex explore it and, and talk about it. Zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. That's the very top of the screen, and I'm just going to swipe right from now on. 
91 hours, 10 minutes, and 2 seconds. Name. 140822 underscore 016 underscore TR1. Format. 48 kilohertz slash 32 bit float. 1. Button. Zoom in. Button. X512. Gear. Button. Possibly. Zoom out. Button. 2. Button. Zoom in. Button. X64. Gear. Button. Possibly. Zoom out. Button. Line. Out. Roo off pad. Button. FF off. Button. Rec off. Button. Stop off. Button. Play off. Button. Slate tone off. Button. Menu. Button. Mark. Button. Mark. Button. And that's the end of that main screen. So, uh, what we're going to do, <clears throat> I'm going to talk through very briefly this, this screen. We're going to come back to this screen. We're just going to talk through it very briefly as things stand. And then we're going to go into the menu, which is towards the bottom. So, it's, I'm going to go do a four-finger four single tap to go to the top of the screen. Zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. The first element is how long has it been recording for? Um, so, if I put the machine into record, you won't have heard it bleep because it's not that channel's not active but if i go zero hours zero minutes and 10 seconds you can hear that 91 zero hours zero minutes and 13 seconds giving you the amount of lapse time that i've been recording already okay so i've switched off the recording i'm going to swipe right 91 hours nine minutes and 41 seconds that's the amount of space i've got on the sd card as is and that is taking into account the current settings do i have both am i recording a stereo uh, file? Am I recording two mono files? Am I recording one mono file? That's what it's telling me is left, and given the whichever configuration I've got set. Next, name. Name. This is the file name, the current file name. One four zero eight two two underscore zero one seven underscore tr one. And that's a date. That's the fourteenth. That's today, Sunday. Um, and that's the naming convention I mentioned to you uh, before. Now, format. Format. It says forty eight kilohertz slash thirty two bit float. 48 kilohertz, 32-bit float. It's always going to say 32-bit float because this recorder does nothing else, okay? It only records in 32-bit float. It doesn't record in MP3, doesn't record in FLAC or anything else, just in 32-bit float. You can change the kilohertz value uh, from 44.1 right up to 192 for those of you who do sound design, although even at those lower um, kilohertz rates, you know, with 32-bit float, you can boost boost volumes. But you can get that definition right up to 192. Um, the one thing that's missing from this, and I'm just going to unplug the power supply from the side of the F3 at the moment. I'm going to go back to the top. Zero hours, neon H. Now, after the... Zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. ...recording time, it's got... Neon H. ...the kind of battery I'm using. When the AC was plugged in, it didn't say anything. Now that it's gone switched to battery, it tells me I've got I've got it set to NIMH, but it doesn't give me any voltage. It goes straight on to... 91 hours, 9 minutes, and 41 seconds. The amount of time relax, uh, remaining. I'm just going to plug the power back in. So that's quite boring because, uh, as I say, on the F6, you get a kind of a bit of an indication of where you are with the voltage levels. Uh, so I'm putting that back in, and I'm picking up my phone, and I'm swiping right again. Zoom in. Button. 2. Zoom out. Gear. Zoom in. Sorry, zero, from hours, the top. zero minutes. 91 hours. 9 minutes. Name. 140. Format. Format. One button. Now, one button. What we're into now are the channels. Uh, and I'm going to come back to these, so bear with me. Zoom in. Button. Zoom in for channel one. X512. That's the amount of zo- the f- how, how much it's zoomed in. I'll explain that later. Here. Button. Possibly. Here is that a is. menu for the channel one. Zoom out. Button. Zoom out. Two. Button. Then two is the button for arming and arming channel two. Zoom in. Button. Uh, the zoom ratio. X64. 
That's the zoom ratio itself. Here, button, possibly, menu, settings. Menu for channel, channel 2. Zoom out, button. Zoom out. Line, out. Then there's a line out button. Roo off pad, button. Roo off pad, that's a rewind, effectively. That's a transport control. FF off, button. Fast forward is another transport control. Rec off, button. You can start recording from the app itself. Stop off, button. And you can stop, obviously. Play off, button. And you can play. Slate tone off, button. Slate tone, if I, if I do a double tap and hold with one finger, mind your ears... That was very quiet. Let me um, turn that up. Still very quiet. Uh, one more moment. Anyway, there's a slate tone, <laughs> which I'm failing to demonstrate very effectively, um, which you can send out to to uh, line up levels on a, on a separate machine. Menu, button. And then there's a menu. Mark, button. And a mark. You can put markers on your recording while it's recording. This is you have to do this from the app. Interestingly, there is no way of doing this from the machine itself. Uh, and what I haven't tested is whether or not those marks are readable in something like Reaper or or which digital audio workstations they are readable in. I haven't seen any literature about which which is compatible. But it, as I say, interesting. You can only add those marks from the app. So I'm going to go back to the menu here. Menu button. And I want to go through that before I go through the channel uh, settings on this screen. Finder button. So I've double tapped on the menu and we've come to Finder, which is the top option. Menu return button. And there's a, uh, the very top option is a menu return, which is a back button. Then menu heading Finder button. Finder. And that's where you would explore all the tracks. I'm not going to go through that at the moment because that's quite dull. Uh, but effectively, it's going through, you know, fold, project folders and file names. Um, and I haven't explored the extent to which you can delete and erase. I don't know at this stage whether that's possible. That's something I'll have to look into. Next next item, though. Recording button. That's the recording menu and... Date slash time button. Date slash time. Versions button. Versions. Versions button. And that's the last thing on that screen. So let's have a Date look. Date slash time. Recording button. Have a look at the recording menu. Recording. Recording. Button. Menu return. Button. Recording. Heading. Rec file name. Date. Button. So rec file name is set to date at the moment. Uh, let's have a look in there. Rec file. Me rec file name. Heading. Selected. Date. User defined name. Button. User defined name. That allows you to, uh, you know, you could give it a project name, for example, and then it would se uh, serially name the, the, the takes within that project, you know, 001, etc. User defined name. Button. Selected. Date. User, defi user defined name. And that's the button. last one in that menu. So I'm going to go to the top of the screen. Menu return button. And go back. Menu return. Rec file name date button. Sample rate 48 kilohertz button. Sample rate 48 kilohertz. Let's have a look in here. Sample rate. Menu return. Sample rate heading 44.1 kilohertz. Selected 48 kilohertz. 88.2 kilohertz. 96 kilohertz. 192 kilohertz. 192 kilohertz. That's all your options in there. So from 44.1 to 192. I'm going to go back. Menu return button. Menu return. 2012 status bar item. Sound marker off button. Freeback on button. Menu return. Rec sample rate 48 kilohertz. Sound marker off button. Freeback on button. File format mono button. Sample rate 48 kilohertz. Button. There we go. Sorry. So got a bit, bit confused. There. So for, sa sample rate 48 kilohertz. Next option is file format mono button. File format. We're going to go in here. File format. Menu return button. File format heading selected mono stereo stereo. So only two options mono or stereo. So if you set it to stereo, it's going to record the channels uh, the one and two uh 
inputs into a stereo file left and right. Um, if you set it to mono, then it might still record two channels but as separate files. Or if if only one of them is armed, it will record that one channel as a, as a separate mono file. So it's stereo, dual mono, I suppose, uh, and single channel mono. Menu return, button. Menu return, sound marker, off, button, freeback, on, sound marker, free, file format, mono, button, freeback, on, button. Prereq is very good. This has a prereq function. And for those who don't know, that means if, you're, if you've got your machine switched on and your mic is armed, your channel is, you know, is, is listening, your mic is listening in that sense, if you miss the beginning of something and you press the record button, there's a buffer storing um, an amount of information depending on your um, uh, the, the sort of kilohertz setting you've got um, so that you don't miss uh, the first few seconds of something if you're just a bit slow on the on the buttons uh, and at 48 kilohertz which I've got at the moment that's a six second pre-record buffer so I can be six seconds late in pressing record and still have that thing that started six seconds previously absolutely marvelous so imagine you're at a, an event uh, and you're going to do something with the material afterwards and you want to catch that moment where the person says so welcome ladies and gentlemen and you press the button as he's saying gentlemen you will have that material because it's in the buffer uh, that the the amount of buffer diminishes let's well let's have a look inside shall we freeback menu return button freeback heading off selected on so it's on selected on selected on Oh, it doesn't say in here. So basically, it does diminish. I think at, at 96, it may be down to three seconds, and at 192, it might be down to one second. But at 48, it's six seconds, and 44.1, it's six seconds. Menu return, button, menu return. Freeback, on, button. And the next item in this uh, recording menu is... Sound marker, off, button. Sound marker. This is um, an interesting uh, function. It's got nothing to do with the headphone alert tones I mentioned before. This would actually put a marker on the recording, um, quite a noisy bleep type thing, and you can you can actually configure what it is. Uh, and I assume that's so you can you know find it. Certainly, if you were visually looking at a wave file, you could spin through something very quickly and find a mark. It must be a, a it's I think equivalent to a different form of, of actual marker that we saw on the main screen. Anyway, I don't have that switched on. Sound marker off. But sound marker. And off, that's the button. last item in the recording menu. So I'm going to go back up. Menu return button. Menu return. Recording date slash time button. I'm not going to look at the date and time at the moment. Those pickers are are tricky. Uh, versions button. And versions is where you find the firmware version. So let's go back to the main screen. Menu return button. Menu return. Zero hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. And I want to talk about the the input settings. So what you've got to remember here is that. What we did there in the menu, the recording settings there, were the sort of overall recording settings for the machine. What is our, um, you know, kilohertz, mono, stereo, um, all that sort of thing. What we're going to look at now is the specific settings for individual channels, the two channels, um, and the and whether they're set to microphone or line or phantom power. So let's, let's swipe through again this information at the top. 91 hours, nine, name, 14082, format. 48 kilohertz slash 31 button. Now, when we set, when it says one button, this is both useful and unuseful. Um, this is the button that arms that input. 
And I'm going to demonstrate this um, in a second. Yes, so I'm going to mute the main microphone on on my uh, on this recording. So I'm going to mute the the big mic here. You can still hear me because I'm now talking into a micro the microphone that's plugged into the Zoom F3, which is the Shure KSM8, and that's going through the Vocaster into a separate track on on Reaper. Um, and I'm focused on this one button. One button. Now, if I start counting. I'm going to count continuously and I'm going to do a, a single one finger single tap on that button as I do it. So one, two, three, one, seven, one. eight, nine, ten, one, fourteen, one. fifteen. So you'll have heard my counting come in and out. And I'm double tapping on that number one button, and that is muting, and or unmuting, or arming and unarming that input. And I'm plugged into number one with this Sure KSM8. Um, now, the bad thing about it is that the status isn't doesn't tell you what the status is on the app. So if I swipe back and then one button, just says one button. It doesn't say switched on, switched off. Um, which it really should be able to do. Um, I don't know what the visual representation on the screen is. I imagine green and red or something like that. Um, but it, it doesn't tell you. But you hear it in your cans. What you were hearing when I was counting and my voice was coming in and out was the output from the headphone jack of the F3. So you would be able to know in the app whether your mic was armed or not because you'd hear it or not hear it by double tapping on that on that button okay so i'm just going to switch back to my main microphone and i'm just going to mute the uh, f3's microphone for the moment uh, two microphones recording at the same time isn't always a great idea um okay so that's the arming button and th th these controls are mirrored for channels one and two so i'm going to swipe right zoom in button zoom in in fact i'm going to come back to that x512 Gear, button, possibly, settings. We're going to go to the gear button first. Um, now, gear buttons, a bit like hamburger buttons, they mean settings or menus, don't they, uh, when they're not labelled properly. So this is the settings for channel one. So we're going to go in here. Button. Menu return. Button. There's a back button at the top, effectively. Swiping right. TR1 settings. Heading. TR1 settings. Track one settings. Button. Source. So button. Unlabeled button. But the label for it is underneath. Source. That that's the pattern with these Zoom recorders. Actually, it's the, the the thing that that you want to go into, which is generally unlabeled, is then followed by the the descriptor of it. So if we go back up to the thing that says button, button, and go in there, selected mic. You can see that it's mic is selected. Mic plus forty eight V. Or mic plus forty eight V. Line. Or line. Line plus forty eight V. Or line plus forty-eight volts. Line plus forty-eight V. So this is what this is the the different ways I can configure this first input. I can have it as a purely mic setting, and that's what I've got it on at the moment because what's plugged into it is a dynamic microphone that doesn't require phantom power. I could change that 
to a, a, a powered microphone and give it 48 volts phantom power or I could change it to a line input if I'm taking the feed off a, a mixing desk or playing something out of my iPhone that I want to record on on the F3 straight into it um line plus 48b and um some bizarrely believe it or not some line out um devices um that you might um play to do require voltage i've never come across that but line plus 48b there it is menu so return i'm going to go back a level menu return button so that button phantom voltage button mic source so button you get the button that's where where you go in to change those settings the descriptor source source and then what is that what is it actually set to mic mic so that tells you you know without going into the settings what it's currently set to so now if i swipe right it's going to say button again button and then what's the descriptor phantom voltage phantom voltage plus 48 volt currently 48 volt is selected misleading because we're not using phantom power at the moment but you know it if we switched on phantom power, what voltage would it be using? Well, 48, and the choices are 24 or 48, so we won't need to go into that. Button. Another button. Here's the descriptor for that. HPF. HPF, high-pass filter. 80 hertz. Currently set to 80 hertz. Now, in there, there's a whole range of settings. What's a high-pass filter? Well, it allows you to cut the lower end of the signal out when you're recording. Um, that can be very useful if there's a lot of rumble. If there's wind outside, you can make uh, really improved recordings by putting an 80 or 100 hertz um, filter, high-pass filter on that. Um, if you're interviewing someone on a, on a train or on a plane or in a car, you, you can actually transform the recording um, by using a high-pass filter from something that just sounds bassy and rumbly and boomy to something that sounds completely normal. So... Uh, I tend to put a hate an eighty hertz filter on whatever I'm doing. Doesn't doesn't you don't lose a lot of you know human voice in that below that anyway. So uh, that's where you can change that. Button. Another button, another descriptor. Invert phase. Invert phase. This is complicated when you've got two microphones and they interfere with one another. It's not something I understand particularly, but that is where you can invert the phase. Off. It's off at the moment. Button. Another button. Descriptor. Input delay. Input delay. 0 0.0 milliseconds. And that's currently set to 0, 0.0. Input delay is something you might use at some point. If you imagine, for example, um, that you have a wired microphone plugged into channel 1 of your F3, and you have a wireless receiver plugged into channel 2, and a wireless mic pinned on a guest you're interviewing. Say you're walk, doing a walk and talk with a, with a guest, and you're holding the, the recorder in your own microphone, and you've got one of these uh, really these new cheap wireless um, microphone systems and you've clipped that onto your guest so that they're hands-free and you don't have to wave the mic around all the time um, you've got the receiver plugged into channel two the, the, the signal from the wireless uh, mic and your mic arrive in the recorder at different times the wireless mic is slower by mill several milliseconds usually um is that a problem where you think well you know human ear can't hear that actually it would be a problem so for example if a door slammed it would sound very strange if there was even a few milliseconds difference 
between the recording that's coming into your mic and the recording that's coming into their mic getting to the recorder. Your recording is going to get there much quicker. Your signal is going to get there quicker. The wireless signal is going to take longer. And wireless manufacturers publish the the, the latency, uh, the, you know, how much latency there is in their system. So you can set it to a certain number of milliseconds and then a combination of wired and wireless mics will sound uh like they're happening at the same time normal so can be very useful particularly as i say in this era where a lot of people are getting these quite cheap wireless systems that are actually pretty good some of them um and using them to to do interviews and vlogs and and, and what have you so let's see zoom in button one button x512 zoom out button. zoom out button possibly search and then we're into the zoom um x512 one zoom in 0.0 milliseconds um functions which are also on the front page so i'm going to talk about those uh now menu return button menu return um and zero hours zero minutes and zero seconds as i said to you if i swipe through here ff rec off stop off rec off ff line zoom gear x zoom two zoom out button so two button there's a two and then it's exactly the same for channel two there's a zoom in x64 gear button zoom out button a gear button so you can go in and change the settings now what are these zoom buttons okay this is complicated, I think. Uh, I certainly find it complicated. I don't fully understand it. When you're recording on the F3, there are no level meters at all. We've said there's no uh, recording level control. There is none on the machine. Uh, there are no level meters on the machine to sell, to sell you if you're clipping or not. What it does do is it does show you a waveform on the display. Um, uh for either for the one channel or two channels or if it's a stereo i think they're one above the other and that waveform um can be very crunched very sort of where the ups and downs of uh you know are very difficult to see or they can be very pronounced and that's about the amplitude of the signal now you might think what is that that's a visual thing it's not actually just a visual thing. Now, I said that there was no gain control on this machine, and there isn't. There is no gain control, no input gain. But you can change the amplitude of the signal that ends up being recorded. And the way I understand this is that it's a sort of, it's a sort of fader, effectively, at the very end of the process it, the signal's been through all the AD converters, been through all the electronics, etc., etc. It's a fully formed signal. It is what it is. Um, but the amplitude of it can be changed at the last moment. Um, and that you can hear that in your headphones. So I'm going to do a little demonstration here. I'm going to turn off the main mic. I've turned on back on the, the KSM, KSM8, which is plugged into channel 1. X64, zoom in, button, two, now, button, zoom in, button. Now, I'm going to uh, use the zoom buttons on channel one, which is live. You're listening to me on channel one. Now, listen to this. Two, zoom in, button. So now I've muted my main mic, and I'm talking to you on the KSM8, which is plugged into the F3, and you're hearing the headphone output from, from that. And I'm looking at channel one. One, button, zoom in, button. And there's the zoom in button. That's 1024. And the the zoom ratio at the moment is a thousand and twenty four. Now, here, but zoom out. Button. If I zoom out, listen to the the level. Zoom. Zoom out. I'm zooming zoom out. out. Zooming out. Zoom I'm out. Quieter. Zoom out.
Zoom out. Zoom out. You probably can't hear me now. Here. Exit. Zoom. One. Button. Zoom in. Button. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Starting to zoom in. Starting to zoom in. Zoom in. I'm in at the maximum there. So you heard my level going up and down out of the headphone volume, and that is what would be recorded. Now, again, I'm not an expert on this, but I see this as a sort of last-ditch fader that's not going to make any difference whatsoever to you taking that file into the uh, DAW. It will sound louder or quieter, but it's, it's a fully formed file, and it can be cut down or raised up to get it to the right level, um, but the zoom thing is useful um, because it, it reassures you you're hearing something in your headphones. So if the zoom is really low, if it's at like X1, if I go... X1024, zoom in, button, X1024. At the moment it's at 1024, which is the maximum. I think there are 11 steps or 10 steps. If I took it down to X1 and put my cans on and started recording, I really wouldn't hear anything in my cans... I'd still be recording and absolutely still recording a perfectly fine file that I could use in post-production, but I, I wouldn't have the reassurance of knowing that I was hearing a, a live mic. And, and that's what the, the, what the way, the, the reason I use the zoom. Um, that's not a very satisfactory discussion or description, but it is something to do with the amplitude at the very end of the process so i just wanted to add a little note to this about the the zoom ratio on the on the wavelength on the on the inputs zoom is a confusing term given the recorder's name but it really is the, the size of the wavelength that you're recording what it looks like on the screen and the level at which is recorded to the recorder um, you can change this on the unit itself and i think i have worked out how to do that um, I'm not confident because this took me a long, long time. So I mentioned the four buttons at the bottom of the LCD screen. I've unplugged the Bluetooth adapter, by the way. What you're hearing again is the output of the headphone jack. And I'm speaking into this KSM8 Shure microphone. Um, and it's plugged into channel one. Now, in this case, what I've worked out is that the two leftmost buttons... Uh, of the four under the LCD uh, can be used to change that amplitude that we changed with the zoom buttons uh, on the channel on the app itself. Now, timing seems to be an issue here because these buttons are also used to set some of those input settings for each channel. Um, and that I haven't worked out a, an accessible way of doing. Again, I think timing can be an issue. I think things go off after a certain amount but what i have worked out is that taking channel one so i'm taking the left most two buttons uh, below the lcd if i press the leftmost button then pause ever so slightly and press it again it will take the amplitude down so i'm going to do that a couple of times and you'll hear my level go down so i'm going to count and try and press one two three four five six seven so I'm pretty low now, and now I, if you, I hope you can still hear me. I'm going to press that left button, and then I'll give a little pause and press the one to its right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Now, this is a bit hit and miss because it's not happening each time. And I don't know if it's because I have to let something it happened then, went up then. And it seems to be an amount of time I have to leave it before it'll do it. Incredibly inaccessible and not helpful. Um, but it is possible. And for a long time, I had, when I was fiddling with the recorder, I couldn't hear any mics. And this was when I discovered this thing about the zoom ratio. Um, anyway, I'm going to cut this mic now and go back to my proper mic. Um, okay, so I'm back on the, the RE27 now. So... That's a very frustrating thing about the Zoom. I mean, what is worth saying is that if you get your, you know, your channel armed and the amplitude at a level where you can hear it in your cans, it does remember all that when you switch the machine on and off. So there is, there, you know, if you don't change much or need to change much, um, you can get it set up and have, you know, plug your microphone into channel one each time and go out and press record slide up into record and do your thing each and every time without worrying about things. I think if you want to do any fiddling around with the channel, um, you could possibly learn the button presses that allow that to happen from the main screen. Uh, but I think you would really need to to use the app to do that efficiently and, and to know what you were doing. Uh, that's it really for this review. I have a couple of final thoughts. My question is, who is this for, this recorder? I think this recorder is for someone who is out and about doing mobile recordings. And I think of people at conferences um, or in electronic news gathering where you're doing a lot of interviews. Uh, you've got to get from A to B very quickly. Um, you've got a lot of noise around, perhaps. Uh, you've got a, a lot of time pressures and this allows you to not worry about your levels and to have a very portable machine that um, you can record for hours on and have some reassurance that you're recording and you're not recording uh, and you're getting your material. So I think this ticks a lot of boxes uh, for people who are doing that. Is this a, an effective audio interface? Well, it will work, but it's not really what it's for. Um, is it a, a machine a sort of multitask for podcasters? Well, I don't think that either, really. I think this is a, a machine for gathering mono and stereo audio in the field. I think that's what it's designed for, and I think that's what it's, it's good at. And I think for us as blind people, it has some significant advantages, not least that it's cheaper than some of the competitors like the F6 and the sound devices uh, machines. It's, robu it's robust, it's rugged. The little rails on the underside would allow you to put it on your belt. Apparently, they're going to bring out some accessories that could maybe allow you to strap it to your arm. And, of course, once you've got it out of your hand, that hand can be used for a microphone, and then you've got a hand free for a cane or the harness of a guide dog. So there are all sorts of advantages here. The batteries are a bit disappointing. I wouldn't recommend using alkaline batteries in this. You're not going to get more than a couple of hours at best, I would use rechargeables or indeed the new newer lithium batteries. You're going to get much better battery time out of those. If you're in a scenario where you're sitting down, it's it's a bit more relaxed. Then I would use uh, uh, a USB power bank to power it. Uh, but all in all, I think it's a, a fantastic addition 
to the range. It has some accessibility challenges, no question. It's a pain having to pay extra for that accessibility in terms of the, the Bluetooth dongle. Um, but it's it's a, a very nice recorder. And as I say, it has that huge advantage of 32-bit float recording, which does allow us not to worry as much. Now, I will say this, which I always say with 32-bit float recording, doesn't make up for poor microphone technique. If you if you have an omnidirectional microphone, you're interviewing someone and the microphone's six feet from their mouth, it's still going to sound like that, the 32-bit float uh, recording as well. It's still going to sound like a poor recording, you know, m- not mic'd properly. So all the microphone techniques still apply. It's just a question of levels and, and giving you that leeway with soft recordings or loud recordings or sudden changes uh, in recordings where this machine will help you out. I'd be very interested to hear any feedback. This is a very much an initial look at this device. I don't understand all elements of it, and I may well have got some bits of it wrong. So please do let me know if you discover things that I've got wrong about this device or any other workarounds that would, would help other blind users but for the moment that's me signing off gary o'donoghue hope uh, that's been of some use and we'll speak to you again soon